Welcome to the Kill the Lion podcast. It's me, Cody Clark. We have a lovely show for you today. Ben Ball is here from Haunted Wi-Fi and Anxiety Boys. His new show, it's a great show. It's free on YouTube. It's six episodes. It's it's some of the best stuff I've seen lately. We're going to have a great conversation. By the way, if you like the show, if you like Kill the Lion, if you like Kill the Lion Films, support us. $2 per month. KillTheLionFilms.com. You help us make more episodes of the show. You help us make more films, feature films. That's what we do. That's what we love to do. And now, Ben Ball. All right, Ben, good to talk to you. Good talking to you too, Cody. Thanks a lot for having me, man. So I'm really into Anxiety Boys. Finished the uh, season. I I really liked it a lot. I feel like it's basically what I wish was on television. It's the kind of show that I want to be able to turn on my TV and watch. I don't know why I can't do that. I don't know why things are (laughs) as they are. I'm flattered, man. Thank you. If anybody wants a good television program to watch, just go on YouTube, watch Anxiety Boys. Tell me, how did this How did this come to be? I know you do uh, Haunted Wi-Fi with your friends. That's your YouTube channel. You do a lot of stuff on there. This seems like a bit more of an ambitious, bigger project. How did Anxiety Boys come to be? So Anxiety Boys is the first narrative thing or not, maybe I've done shorts before, but I've never, we've always been into sketch and we've always done like sketch shows. So the first thing we did was the happy sad time show, which was like the first, it was actually like a, like a school project at the end of school, you get like a budget and you get to just make something. It's a class called independent production. And, uh, and we decided I just made this like serious film and it was like really intense and like this dark Gothic Lynchian kind of inspired thing. And, I just wasn't so into it. In the end, I was like, oh, no, I'm, you know, I enjoy making my comedy stuff more. So I just turned to my roommate, Ben, and was like, who's also part of Haunted Wi-Fi. And that was the beginning of that. And then, yeah, and then Anxiety Boys came from a character that we that we we kind of came up with through that, that I'd kind of been doing at home. Like, I've done this kind of like rapper character who's like kind of a, a pussy at the same time, like with my mom and stuff. And we would always laugh. My family is very like into you know, characters and referencing movies and goofing around and stuff like that. So I had this character already, like I had this character for for a while that I would just play around with. And and there's actually this early, early haunted Wi-Fi sketch called Marcus Realist. It's like a noisy, like it's kind of like episode five of Anxiety Boys where, where we, we framed it as like a noisy spotlight on this like idiot rapper who's like making a beat and like making a song on camera and his whole thing is like, yeah. And he's like, check it out. And he does this thing. And then you like putting the song together and then it's just shit. And then he plays it at the end. It's supposed to be this like crazy moment. And it's like the worst, it's like a terrible song and he's just embarrassed. But watching that back, you can just see like the character isn't fleshed out. It's not the same. But uh, a friend of mine who's in a band, him and I kind of started fleshing this character out. We would laugh. Like it was kind of like me and him at school would like, you know, flesh out these characters. And eventually we made like a little kind of pre-pilot to this thing that was based on this character I'd done. Like I'd been on camera as him already. And I was like, hey, why don't we like expand this and do like a longer version of it? So we did and it was Anxiety Boys, but it was this kind of one pilot, this like I think 15 minute pilot cut into two parts. Yeah. And then so I was like really jazzed on it. I was really excited. I was like, okay, this is great. People are loving it. You know, just my friends and family were just like, this is great. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll make like six episodes. And, uh, he didn't, he's like an old friend of mine and he, he didn't really want to do it. He's in the band and he was more interested in doing that stuff. So he, he just said, yeah, just like write it however. And, and we, I kind of took some of our ideas and put it together and wrote in my friend Andrew instead. And yeah. And then got Ben to direct it. Ben flew all the way down from Vancouver and we shot it in Toronto and that's kind of, it's just kind of how it came to be. So it kind of like looking back, it's like this big process that, that I kind of, only now realized it was like a long time coming, but it it just kind of exploded into this thing that that felt really good. It was almost like a third try, if you will, because we did that sketch and then this like pilot and then the series. So it was like there was a lot of build up to it. So was there any feeling of like we really have something here? Maybe we want to go to networks. Maybe we want to do something like that versus just releasing it for free on YouTube. Yeah. So actually. Um, there was a point probably at the script, like the table read, which I implore anyone listening, do a table read like as soon as you can, as soon as you feel good with your script. Um, because 
reading it out loud, we were like laughing at all the, you know, I got to see where the laughs were. I got to see that there were laughs. laughs. I was like, not sure if I was just in my head about this thing. And, you know, it's like, it really started to feel good. So that was the first time I felt like, okay, we, this thing could have some legs. And then when we put it together, we shot it literally from February 23rd to March 1st, 2020. So it was like right, right, right before the, uh, the pandemic. And then, yeah. And then I have this mentor. I'm just like, I have this crazy connection. He's the executive producer of Shit's Creek. And he's like my mentor that I met through the friend of a friend. And basically he saw it. He had already seen our adult swim pilot that we had put up on on um, on our YouTube channel called Davey D and Blue Raymond's Human, Human Powered History Hour. It's like the most ridiculous name, but it, it's fun. It's a sketch show. And he loved that. And so he was like, so what's the next thing? And I was like, well, we just shot this. Here's a draft of the first episode or I think I had a teaser and he was like oh yeah and so we started setting up calls and we actually did a pitch we were able to do uh, a pitch through the states with like you know Netflix HBO we we sent it all around and I got zero responses <laughs> but, so it's like a bit discouraging but I like to blame it on the on the current state of the industry during COVID but you never know right you know we put it out there we, uh, I got to go around with a production company called uh, Project 10 Productions, which is that guy's production company. And yeah, and we, we pitched it around. Just no luck. But uh, it was a really cool experience regardless. It was very sweet to hear like the, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Producers had seen the first episode and were like, oh, we just have something too similar to it right now, but we like it. So just hearing like little bits of feedback like that was like cool enough. And that was the point where I was like, ah, I'm just going to post it on YouTube. <laughs> that was like really kind of sad to everyone involved because to the to the guys trying to pitch it right because they they helped us put this pitch package together and everything and now i was just kind of going yeah we're just gonna toss it up for free and they're like don't do that and i was like well i'm kind of at this point <laughs> probably just gonna do it and he was like they kind of just went all right well go for it I'm, I'm glad we did at this point yeah i think i think youtube is a great home for it too because like in contrast to your other stuff it just shows your range like crazy like it's just like you can do all across the spectrum. You can do the sketch stuff. You can do like really more YouTube oriented stuff. You can you can do this as well. It's just like this big thing of like, here's everything we can do across the spectrum. Talk to me, talk to me about you guys because it seems like you're kind of like a tight knit group. How did you guys come together to start doing haunted Wi-Fi? What's, uh, what's the connection there? I know you're all from Canada, I assume. Yeah, yeah, we are. So, so I appreciate it. First of all, thank you. Um, yeah, we feel like we are kind of clicking into something currently. Once again, it's been such a, like a long time coming to get to this point, but, um, this point being just even like feeling like we're having some people watching our stuff or by no means like hitting the big leagues at, at all yet, but it's been feeling really good. And, and the, the first time we got together was me and my, this guy, Ben, this other uh, ben Christensen, who's another guy part of Haunted Wi-Fi, he's like my best friend, and we basically met in um, at like a house. Like we just like lived in this house together, and we we're in the Ryerson University comedy troupe. He basically, like we did this one sketch on stage once that just like we were cast together to have like a funny moment, and it just felt really right. Like it just felt really funny, and we were like, I just enjoyed our rapport on stage. So I was like, well, maybe this would be the guy since he lives down the hall from me now that I would make a thing with if I wanted to right so I just started with that and then we cast we saw Andrew in another sh um, show that he had made that he had put together this like uh, web series that he had just made like two episodes for and he was super funny in it and just like captured like he just was so comfortable in front of the camera and so so funny and it was great writing and he had written it so I was like we're like hey maybe we should just like, get this guy and something like our friend was in the web series so we're like hey like asked him for his his contact info and he was like, yeah, for sure. And he showed up for two of the sketches for this, this, uh, this show we are making. And yeah. And then, and then the haunted Wi-Fi was literally just, we were like, okay, well we want to post this thing somewhere and we enjoyed making sketches on a, on a schedule. So let's just keep doing it except not in the format of like a sketch show. Let's actually just like keep putting out individual sketches. And so that's, that's where it started. Super, super loose. We started with a Monday, Wednesday release schedule and it only went for a few months but that was kind of an interim between our our bigger projects which was like our, our our bigger focus so yeah and then the adult swim thing came and then we took a break and then made that and then now we're kind of just back together Andrew and I who had lived in Toronto with Ben 
moved out to Vancouver where Ben had moved back to after school was done. So we just kind of, you know, like did him the courtesy of moving out here so he didn't have to live away from home anymore. So now we're doing that. Yeah. And then and I think Andrew was the one who came up with the fisheye idea to have like fisheye sketches. He was like, oh, I love Odd Future. I love skate videos. Oh, what if we're like the Odd Future of, of uh, you know, of comedy? And, and I would always be like, okay. I mean, I guess I was never so into Odd Future. I, I, I appreciated what they were doing. Like I, I could see what they were doing. I was just never a huge fan. But he was like, this is like, this is the vibe with comedy. I'd love to mix that. That was his vision, right? And, and when you're collaborating with people, that that stuff is so valuable. And Andrew is just very, just knows what he's doing. He just has so much confidence and so much creative drive. So yeah, that just kind of, put us us all three together so equally like created what we're kind of putting out there these days that's it, it's kind of a cool feeling so you mentioned the uh the fisheye ones i you know i i, I want to support you guys i love you guys but like <laughs> it, it it is a bit of a divisive thing because it can be a little <laughs> nauseous for some people you know, it's it's a it's something that the kids will like but i'm i'm an old man i'm 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 33 years old you know, I, I, I'm, I'm the, uh, I'm, I'm on my way out. No, it's no. <laughs> not so old. <laughs> so when I, I'm just saying, when I see the fisheye stuff, it's, you know, it makes me a little, uh, motion sick or, or, or what have you. Queasy. And people say, oh, this is the first, somebody saw like a, a the 1080p sketch that we did with Joel and they were like, oh, finally a haunted Wi-Fi video I can I can watch while eating. <laughs> You're like, oh, great. <laughs> like, oh, no, we didn't really even think about that. How close you get is so, like, gross. It's so funny. No, but I love I love that you do that kind of stuff, too, because I, I want to feel like I, you know, it, it's, it's not for me in some capacity because I want to feel like things are moving forward when I'm seeing new people doing stuff. And it's it's something I haven't seen before. And it's... It, you know, I, I've, of course, I, you know, grew up on skate videos and whatnot, and I'm used to fisheye lenses in certain contexts, but, you know, you guys do something with it that's, that's really unique. You know, it's not something I can physically watch per se, but uh, <laughs> it's something I, it's something I I'm that. glad. That's so funny. Uh, that's so true. That makes so much sense, actually. I, I haven't really thought of it that way, but that is the effect it would have. Yeah, I'm glad it exists, you know? And <laughs> Good. It, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. No, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. But it 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 just goes to show you know everything that you can do because obviously you have you have stuff on there that's not fisheye oriented that's not as uh, jittery in that sense and it just shows that it's like a deliberate choice because like you know people just stumbling on stuff on YouTube they might see the fisheye stuff and think oh that's all they can do they don't they don't know what they're doing like they they don't know that you can just put it on a tripod I should tell them that <laughs> tripods exist right. or whatever you know how people are on the internet they. I, I mean, I've experienced that with my own stuff where like any stylistic choice I've ever made, people just assume it's a mistake, you know? Right, <laughs> it's yes, just like, yes, totally. Yeah, I did a movie called Ramekin where I did uh, ADR for all the dialogue. It was, it, I wanted to do like a very artificial feeling movie, something that was just unnerving. Like my influences on that film were basically like, early 90s um like kids horror stuff like tv shows usually where we would get them from like canada or australia where there would just be these weird dubs yeah on certain lines and stuff i was going for that that was the vibe and then like everybody's just like oh man like why it's you know like they don't people don't understand what you're going for or they get it completely and it's just this dividing thing yeah I was actually watching, I was watching Bed. I was watching one of your films, Bed. Um, I actually, I'm just halfway through it and uh, I'm loving it. I kind of didn't realize that was you in it. Yeah, that's me. I freaking love the performance. I'm starstruck talking to you. I was like, oh my God, I was just watching this guy in a movie and now we're talking. It's really great. Yeah, me and uh, two Chloe's. So the, the Chloe behind the camera is my girlfriend, Chloe. And the Chloe in front of the camera is coincidentally another Chloe, an actress. Oh, you guys are great. It's really good. Yeah, bed bed was fun. That was that was 10 hours. Oh, yeah? Entire feature film, 10 hours. Was it for one of those competitions, one of those like 48-hour things? Or did you nah, just choose to do it? No, nah, I just... I mean, it's a competition with yourself, man. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. We're playing golf here, boy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's really great. There's some great like lines in there. I was laughing. It's really, it's. I'm getting to the heavy part. I'm not going to spoil anything, but it, I can feel it starting to weigh down, which is really cool. Yeah, we uh, we take a turn for sure. 
So to you know to bring things back to you because <laughs> you know you're you're the focus here. You know we don't everybody knows knows about me and bed and all that stuff. All the people <laughs> listening. But to bring it back to you, Bed was a film that Joel Haver dug a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, we we kind of came together because like I I saw his film Island when it first came out and really dug it and reached out to him and we started doing stuff together. But um, basically, Joel Haver loves you guys too, and uh, so we have that connection there. That's how I discovered you guys. Oh, cool! And you know he's been he's been blowing up like crazy, obviously. Yeah. I just love that, like he's shown a light on other creators that that he really digs, and oh yeah, you know it's it's this kind of thing where each and every one of us we're all just kind of like one lucky moment away from blowing up big, or like you guys getting a pilot with some network, or one of you guys getting picked up for like an SNL cast in a couple of years. Who knows? <laughs> Everybody's just perpetually like right just away from that moment and um i think that's really cool and i think that like every like we're all just kind of like qualified you know it's like this i i feel like people i've talked about this on other episodes but like people have this like oh we're big fish in a small pond kind of mentality you know we're doing our little thing and all that stuff and it's like this the small pond is the size of the internet you know it's if you're putting stuff out there it's going out there. Yeah, absolutely. It's getting in front of eyes you don't even know, man. Absolutely. But I, I'm just curious, what's what's you guys' philosophy? I know Joel mostly just wants to do his own stuff and have that autonomy. Do you guys, I, I know you did a pilot for Adult Swim. Um, do you guys want to work in the studio system? Do you want to work outside it? Do you want to do both? What do you, What's your philosophy towards, you know, being a part of the machine versus kind of creating your own machine. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we all we all are very much living in in, in the present in in a weird way right now, especially during COVID. We're kind of going, okay, this is what we're doing right now. We're doing YouTube because it's kind of the the plan was let's live out you know the pandemic together with our phones and our fisheye and our my one camcorder which we shot all of Anxiety Boys on which I got gifted for my 16th birthday. And now we're just like working with silly, like, you know how it is, right? Like just whatever the fuck we have. And yeah. And in terms of the philosophy, we're just kind of, we're just kind of going like, keep making this stuff, see if it sticks. I read something about um, REM. They said they had this like story. It was a documentary and they were like, yeah, we just moved into a house together. We gave ourselves a year and we said, let's see how it feels and see if the band is like, you know, just see if it's like working. And they were like, and it, by, the, by six months in, we were just like felt we were just feeling the energy, and so what we're doing is is it basically that. So right now, it's it's we don't you know we don't talk so much about what the end goal is necessarily. I know what mine is, but we kind of just here and there. We're just kind of just like, all right, what's the next rollout for Fish Eyes, and what's the next Anxiety Boys? We need to drop that. So how do we promote that? And like it's very just in the moment and uh, week by week for the individual sketches, which is fun because I've always idolized. Uh, to also answer your question, I've always idolized the South Park and the SNL writing uh, format or I guess workflow, which is weekly, right? It's like you're working on something that you're 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 like acknowledging something in the world cur- so currently that you have to make and finish and post that one thing within one week, which is great, which is kind of what YouTube is in a way. So it was easy for me to, you know, it's easy to get practice doing that. But I've always, even before YouTube, have loved, uh, romanticized that idea to do exactly what we're doing right now. So I'm pretty happy doing what we're doing. Because like you said, man, like YouTube is, could, you know, people look back on, you know, I don't know, SCTV in Canada would be the the thing that you look back on, especially and be like, oh man, if we could be that, that would be amazing. And I think the other day I was kind of having a little moment where I was like, oh man, like all I want is like, I just want to get on SNL or I want to do this, that. And I think Andrew is just like, man, you could like, I think we're kind of, there's a chance that this is, this, this is the new age version of that. Like this is what, it's just so different that it's hard to see that, but it, it might be like you're saying, it's like, Joel is like, a fucking fantastic filmmaker and you're a great filmmaker and we're feeling it. Um, you know, we're, we're starting to find our footing too. And it's like, it's, this might be the place like this might be the, the new age place that having been said, I definitely do want. Yeah. I do see myself like writing for a TV show. Cause I really liked making anxiety boys. And, and I don't know if it's very stressful to wear all the hats making something on that scale. So 
you know, I prefer to, it would be interesting definitely down the line to like, you know, be like shadow, a uh, not a producer, but maybe like a, a writer or like work in a writer's room and like really feel maybe like a, like that energy, but with like a salary, like maybe yeah, that would interest me for sure. But anyway, it's, you know, it's YouTube is a really special thing and we're, and we're able to kind of do it ourselves. Right. And, uh, there's something really like new age and cool about that as well. So. Yeah, I think uh, when a place is good, you just kind of got to spend some time at the place mm -hmm. while it's good. I feel like YouTube's pretty damn good right now. It wasn't, you know, it's not like it's always good. It goes, comes and goes in waves. I, I started out on YouTube back in like, you know, the very early days and I was enjoying it. And then like it just became this kind of cynical thing for a while where it was just a lot of, you know, videos of like people making fun of other people's videos or whatever. And it just wasn't the right vibe. And the comments were you know, a little tainted with that energy too. And so I went off and did something else. And like, now I'm back on YouTube and I'm like finding like, everybody's really nice. Everybody's doing like genuinely great stuff. Yeah. It just, the energy changes. It, it's it's a different vibe to you guys than previous vibes that I've, I've seen. You know, I don't know if part of that is just like your Canadian niceness or something, <laughs> but uh, you know, you guys, you guys have a good, have a good energy. Um, Talk to me a little bit about Canada, because it seems like here in the United States of America, we, we receive a lot of you funny Canadian boys over the years. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it just seems like it's like a it's almost this, you know, factory somewhere in, in Canada that just pops you guys out. You you funny, you funny fellows just uh, is is there like a thing where like you you're young and like they you have like is there like a kindergarten class like in comedy or something no. <laughs> so you get like your ten thousand hours by yeah. the time you're in like middle school no, or something think, like what so I heard I heard once um like Bill Bill Murray I think was quoted saying that um an actor's playground or or like um first yeah where they get the, where they get their 10,000 hours is at the dinner table it's like kind of a tongue in cheek way of saying you you learn being a comedian at home or or you can probably find other communities but that's probably that's where i would say i learned it um i just had you know parents who were constantly quoting movies and brother i had two brothers who were just always we were always in some world and imagine if and then and then this and then you know i was the kid who like pretended he had like x men powers at recess and shit you know like it, this was <laughs> this is my upbringing to the point where I think I've just kind of been harboring or or trying to like unknowingly been practicing for years and years. And to answer the Canadian question, I think typically, and I don't know, I don't know, this is just my thought on it, but, you know, Canada is just like the UK in the way where, you know, you guys in the States are very much the ones kind of running the show in terms of media and in terms of cultures, as everybody knows it, um, you know, especially with Hollywood and, you know, in the past and stuff, especially. Um, who knows it's changing now, you know, it's much more global these days, but, but that's kind of the, that my theory on it is that we're going, okay, well, we're, we're like the little brother, you know, we're the, we're the hat of America. And, and so there's this kind of like, there's almost this like default, like position we find ourselves in here to be kind of commenting on that in this kind of humble way, because we're kind of going, oh, we're not quite the States and we've got our, we've got the CBC and, you know, the, the big, the, there's a bit of a glass ceiling. So it kind of adds this like self-deprecating kind of thing. And, and, but we're so fascinated with America as this concept, um, one border away. And I think us and probably the UK have that in common where we're going, you know, it's all just us kind of, it's a lot of parody. Like, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of parody. A lot of what I do is just commenting on something else I've seen, especially in you know, postmodern culture where that's just all there is really. But I think, I think that that's probably kind of got something to do with it. You know, I think it's Canadians are just, you know, predisposed to comment, to be, to be critics. And that's kind of where some comedy comes from. Right. Yeah. I think that's a, probably the best assessment I've ever heard on Canada's relation to us and, and why it would, it would breed comedy. That's, a, that's, that's really interesting. Have you spent much time in the states? Have you have you visited us? Uh, yeah, so my parents or my grandparents on both sides are what are known here as snowbirds. So they fly down to Florida every winter, and uh, so I go to Florida all the time. And um, I've been to New York a couple times. That's where you are, right? Yeah, I'm in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Cool. Oh wow, awesome. Yes, I love Brooklyn. I spent one day there a couple of years ago, and I freaking loved it. Um, and where else I've been? And my grandfather lives in Vermont. 
So I've been, I've been around, I've been to LA. I'm just lucky to have had so much travel in my life. I've gone in and out of the States a lot. Not much family there though. My grandfather was American and I didn't really know him, but yeah, it's just kind of visits here and there. Yeah. And so what, uh, what Canadian stuff would you say is like really good comedy that maybe doesn't make its way over to the US? I'm sure a lot of it does because, you know, with the internet and whatnot, that kind of takes place a little bit more. But what would you say is kind of flying under the radar? Because mostly, you know, we just think of like, like you said, SCTV, you know, thing, things that are a bit older. But is there is there some stuff that you feel like is 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 really good over there right now? Canadian stuff. You know what's I have to say, um, just you guys, just, uh, just, no, your stuff. it's not, it's not just us. It's I'm having a, I'm actually kind of just having a hard time, uh, answering that because it, it'll be case by case for me. It'll be because our broadcasting network, it, it had CBC, it ha- takes a lot of criticism and by myself too, because I care and I want Canada to have, you know, the best, be putting out the best stuff possible. But a lot of stuff you see on there, it's very hit or miss. And it's very, um, they, they put, uh, there's, I heard from somebody who said this, his name is Matt Johnson. He did, uh, um, he did uh, Nirvana, the band, the show, which is, which is actually a good answer. That doesn't make its way into the States that much. If you've heard of Nirvana, the band, the show, you should go check it out. Yeah. Joel, Joel showed me the pilot of that at his house. He was like, we have <laughs> to that. sit down. You need to see this. He kind of like forced it on me. And it obviously it was fantastic. But it was one of those things where it was like, you know, I'm not going to recommend you this and then you never go watch it. I'm <laughs> right. sitting you down. You are watching this right now. It was right. one of those things. <laughs> oh, Joel. Oh, my God. Of course. It's so good, man. And they got a full series out of it. And I watched the whole thing. And, and it's unbelievable. But the main guide, Matt Johnson, is, is very heavily critical of Canadian, of uh, the CBC. And what he says is basically we have a different system here where if – you know, and it's controversial. So I don't know how I feel about it, but it definitely uh, leads us down a, a strange path with our content where the director, if a director or producer produces something for a Canadian network, they tend to, uh, and then they mess it up and they make no money off of it. Um, they tend to get more chances at it. And as much as I like that idea, and I would hope that I would get that too, because it's devastating to imagine just like not being able to work if you mess up too many times. It, it, it that's not the way it is in the states as as far as he claims and as far as i've noticed in the way that you know it's much more of a you know strict business in the states and in that way you get a lot of you know get something rough that comes out loses money they yield the director you know they they get rid of they say you're not going to get a big budget you know go back to an indie and, and prove yourself again which is really intense and once again i don't know if i necessarily agree with that cutthroat like um mindset but I do think that us being so like, oh, okay, well, we'll do another reboot of Anne with an E, you know, like Anne of Green Gables. It's like, in my head, I'm like, I, I, there's so much money being, not tons actually at all. It's it's publicly funded, so it's not a lot of money, but there is a substantial fraction of what they get going into rehashes and, you know, these same people who have been making the stuff that we were, that our parents were seeing in the 80s, you know, in Canada. And I don't know. And it's, you know, they're getting some fresh faces here and there. And there definitely is some really good stuff, but it's not where any Canadians tend to go for their comedy. And it's just a bit, it's just a bit disappointing. So my answer to that would be, you know, you kind of have to look for these people um, on YouTube and and otherwise. And, you know, like Matt Johnson, I think their first uh, version of Nirvana the Band the Show was a web series on YouTube. And, um, you know, and it took them 10 years to get the actual show. But, yeah, everyone tends to just go to the States because I think that's where you, that's the dream. It's, it's not only that, but it's where the money is. And it's where, you know, we, I had to pitch anxiety boys all through the States as much as, you know, it would have been great to do it in my home, in my home, like, you know, here in Canada, but there just aren't network. Like there's just no networks here. Like bell media just went under apparently this, uh, during quarantine. And that's like the main place where you get your money or funding your grants for, for, for like, you know, smaller projects and stuff. So it's it's just a bit um, frustrating to have to stay in the in the cycle of can- Canadian stuff like of, of Canadian media. It's it's frustrating because it's there. It's tough to find uh, good opportunities. Um, I find I'm so green though, so I, I don't you know maybe down the line I'll eat those words, but for, that's how I feel right now. So if you let's say you turn on the television and you 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 watch something that you're like this is just horrible this is just <laughs> yeah. the worst comedy I've seen and it, it's a Canadian production what are the uh, characteristics of just a bad 
Canadian comedy that you would just kind of be like, man, this is just, this is rough. It's basically the same as any other bad comedy in the way where, or in the way where you just kind of see a, you just see beats going unpolished. Like there's like, oh, there could have been a laugh there. And they just kind of, the edit wasn't right. Or the director wasn't like maybe tough enough on the actor to go, no, let's get that again. That's not quite, let's, or to curate a better, uh, you know, dynamic from the beginning it's like obviously tv is the writer's king in tv so you gotta you gotta get you know you gotta start with a really strong premise and a really strong character dynamic and and if you're not you know what i would say is like there's these shows that just such low budget shows but they're kind of maybe this is another good answer for this question is that you'd see something that should that's pitched as if it would be an american high budget comedy production but it doesn't get the budget it requires to to meet its full potential, but they still make it with a low budget. And so you're seeing like these like, you know, shittier edits and cuts and maybe like weaker writing and worse, even just like worse lighting. Like you notice the lighting's bad and stuff. And you're just like, this is what's on like the Canadian, <laughs> you know, it's like the Canadian network is greenlit, like put this out. And it's like, you know, and meanwhile, like Joel Haver, like just made a sketch that, or a short film that literally like is 10,000 times funnier and more polished than this is. And he makes one, like two a week. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, it just, it makes me feel like, okay, who's, who's running this? Um, I'm not, you know, it doesn't make me feel good saying any of this to be, to be honest. Cause I really, I really just care. I really just want it to be better, but uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to put a finger on what exactly it is, but I think it's just a mixture of, of that kind of stuff. Like in my head, it's like, um, I don't want to go on, but but basically, like the idea is that like Canadian, we started with low budgets, very low budgets. CBC started as a radio uh, with radio only, so it started. So we're we typically are very good with nonfiction. Our reality shows are really good. Our radio is very good because we've had more practice with it. And we focused on it because this low budget thing. We're always working with lower budgets, and you know the smarter people in the, in the industry, I would imagine, would go, okay, well, we don't have. We're going to get only $10,000 an episode right now. So this should be a radio show. Like, let's not try and get a big production going for this. Let's concentrate on the writing. Let's concentrate on it being good. And unfortunately, let's just make it radio. And I think that's kind of what, that's what we were doing. Or that's what like SCTV felt like. And I, I mean, National Lampoon, I don't think that was Canadian, but it works, you know, and sometimes it really, it's really good if you can buy into that. So I, I tend to think, okay, like, I'm going to put in $5,000 into this web series, Anxiety Boys. Like I'm going to not, I'm going to, the point is going to be that the camera work is documentary or even just like silly. Like I had people who never worked cameras before as the camera people because it's a, it's a fucking camcorder that you bring on vacation. I was just like, just hold this. And they're, they're amazing. They're fucking all my best friends and they're fantastic at what they do. But they were just, I was just like, don't worry if you're uncomfortable with this camera, it's brand new. It's like, you know, new to you, but just fucking zoom and make sure we're in frame. And then, you know, I felt like it, when you kind of are able to kind of like, you know, take it, take that a bit easier and put less pressure on yourself with the production and be realistic with what you're working with, you can concentrate on what matters more, uh, which is the concept and the commentary and the reflection of the reality you want to, you know, of the world that you want to bring people into. Yeah. I'm, I maybe wonder if like the reason why some of the stuff suffers is because, you know, $10,000 can't be spent in the way that it could with me or with you Exactly. in that, like you have to spread it so thin because then it's like, all right, well, we need to hire all these people and we need to, we need, everybody needs to be doing a specific job, et cetera. Whereas like, you know, most of my movies, I made them for 500 bucks or less Yeah. because it's me and a location I have an act, I have access to and, you know, one or two other people. It's, it's a very small footprint. And I wonder if maybe these, these bigger stations, it would just be, of course, impossible to say, Hey, you know, me and my friends, we, we, we can deliver you, you know, a sketch show. You give us 10,000 it we'll do it all ourselves. Just the three of us. It'll be great. Right. And it would like, you know, it would probably look and sound better than a lot of stuff that they spend a ton of stuff on, but it just, you can't, you can't spread the money in the same way because of the system and how the system is structured and how, you know, they, they need to do certain union things and, and all that stuff. And it's just like, I just feel like 
there's there's an obsolete aspect to the way that the studio system goes nowadays as compared to like like you said with like Joel Haver you know he can he can put out a sketch that looks and sounds like just on a technical level better than a lot of stuff that gets on TV yeah right and it's funny and he did it with two people and it's just like i think the studios are kind of shaking in their boots or they should be because you know, it's not this thing of like kids on the internet with like a 240p, you know, upload. Yeah. Where like it's funny, but it's just like you kind of have to get past whatever you're looking at or whatever. It's like, no, people are uploading 1080p, 4K stuff that's like shot well with good lenses and they got good microphones. And, you know, it's this it's this competition that just changes the game and is 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 basically something that could really destroy a lot of these industries and it's like it's it's a great thing because it's progress and it's it's democratization of the art form but at the same time if all you know is the system it's like the scariest thing ever i i just assume you know yeah yeah that's a good take yes exactly yeah but i I, you know i think um all change is is kind of good in that type of change that we're talking about because Anything that brings it closer to just you and your friends having a good time is going to give you the best comedy, I feel. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. When I when I see these, uh, you know, studio comedy television shows and it's like a writer's room of like 25 or 30 people, it's like, man, it's just like and, and, and people maybe they get one line on the show the entire time they're there. And and if they're if they're, if they're even lucky, some people they're they're writers on shows and they get no lines on the entire show and they're still paid like six figures and it's this it's great. It's like a cushy job, but it's gotta be a little bit debilitating because you're giving maybe the best years of your life and uh it's it's to this organization. Right. You know, it's 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 a rough thing, man. As much as I want you guys to have like a ton of success and think you deserve it, maybe some of these things that are falling through, it's it's a blessing in disguise in certain yeah. ways that you you'll never maybe know exactly the nature of why it was a blessing in disguise. But I feel like you guys are kind of being protected in a sense from a lot of the stuff of the craziness of the industry and and clearly you're able to still do good work so it's just kind of best of the both both worlds i would say yeah yeah i i genuinely do feel especially when it comes to my like career path and like being able to do this hopefully as a as an actual job that's obviously the anxiety and the hope you know when it comes to that i i usually am like I feel like things tend to happen for a reason, not in like a magical way, but kind of where it's, it's all that gets misconstrued as like a superstitious thing. I really just see it as um, going with the flow and like just a lot and just allowing your story of your life to unfold the way it does, you know, cause bitterness is just going to put you in a hole. Right. You know? And uh, you know, what, for example, like anxiety boys not getting picked up or, or adult swim show getting like, you know, they screened it at the network and the guy was like, yeah, yeah, it went great. And we're like, okay, so? And he's like, well, you know, yeah, they liked it. And then we're, and then that was it. And then Ben and I were just like, okay, like <laughs> back to whatever the fuck. Like, you know, you get your hopes up and then anxiety boys, oh, I'm pitching my first show through the States. And then nope, nope, not even an answer. Like, you know, these things would and could totally destroy somebody's spirit, but it's it's so important to just like okay well that means i get to just hang out with my friends still and and do youtube stuff and that's i've been told that's kind of where the best years of your life the life is anyway when you're not dealing with somebody going eh you know what can we can we we pull that pull back that you know fish eye and maybe maybe we'll take the fish eye off and like you know maybe we'll like that's a great impression of me by the way that that was a spot on cody clark (laughs) (laughs) that's not (laughs) that's an example of like you know a network guy going like yeah, we love what you're doing. Like, like, let's switch it up a bit, or like, you know, because they have the money. No, that's not. That's yeah. If your if your consolation prize is that you get to hang out with your friends and do stuff your own way, it's you're you're doing pretty well. Exactly. That's all I mean. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we do a little something here on the show. If if you've heard the episodes before, you know what it is. It's called stupid questions. It's it's how we uh, transition into the latter half of the show. Are you ready to be asked some stupid questions? Oh, goodness. Sure. Let's do it. All right. First stupid question. So your name is Ben Ball, right? That's right. 
How many testicles do you have? <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to say I've, uh, report I have two. Do you feel like it's a bit false advertising for you to be named Ben Ball then? Ben, Ben, a singular ball. Yeah, if you have two, if you have two testicles. My God, you know, yeah, I haven't thought about that. You got to think about how you're projecting yourself to the world. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, I an old email address I have says otherwise. Ben Balls ninety six. You know, I, I used to play on the on the joke all the time. My buddies would be like, hey, "What's your middle name?" Only has one, <laughs> and I was like, "That that's silly." And uh, no, you know what? You're right. You're right. I'll play I'll play devil's advocate for Ben Ball for a second. It's it's good to over deliver in life. Yeah. You know? And so if people know you as Ben Ball and the pants come off and they see two testicles, they're gonna be like, oh. They're gonna be like, hey, that's pretty impressive. Okay. Yeah. We were wrong about you, Ben Ball. Double the fun there. <laughs> All right. Next stupid question. All right. Your name is Ben Ball, right? Oh god, yeah. Okay, are you familiar with the show Top Cat, the cartoon Top Cat? Uh, unfortunately, I am not. All right. I'm a bit older than you. I know you're like 12, 13. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you kids are over at the Haunted Wi-Fi. You're young. You make me feel old. But Top Cat was a show. Uh, it was, a, it was a, a cartoon. It was a Hanna-Barbera. It was uh, way before your time, way before my time. But I used to watch it as a kid. It was early 60s. Okay. I rec- I, okay. I know the one. I, I never watched it, but I know the one. Okay, yes. The reason I ask you about Top Cat is because Top Cat, the the main character, his right hand man is a is a little little blue cat named Benny the Ball. Oh, get out! I'm seeing. I'm on Netflix or IMDb, and I just read that. That is hilarious. And it's a great character. That's hilarious. It's it's something you should take pride in, in you know, having some sort of connection to whatsoever. Okay, so why is he called the ball? Is he is he a cat? He he's definitely a cat. He's not a ball. <laughs> but he I think it's just kind of one of those like kind of like cool names like hey, Benny the ball or whatever. I don't and I Benny don't the ball. Like maybe he just kind of rolls around town or something. Yeah, me staring at that and me seeing that right now is kind of tripping me out. There was there was always this weird instance where or this there was this instance where I realized in Toronto there was a stand up comedian. I've done stand up before, and it was when I was trying to do it, you know, on and off. And I was like, oh wait a minute! And I looked on Facebook, and there was this guy named Ben Ball in my neighborhood, also doing stand up, way more than me. He was like an actual stand up comedian, and uh, that was just like holy shit! He's like a big, you know, thirty something year old guy named ben ball doing stand-up like also in the same world it was really trippy we had a, a little chat quickly over facebook and just went hey there you guys should have you know combined forces and been like hey we're the balls or something i literally was like thinking of doing a ben ball show and just having it be only us as headliners and then just it would just be a train wreck because i'm not i'm not polished and i don't know if he's any good <laughs> it would just be about the title and that would be it well you're gonna have to watch top cat at some point i can't promise you'll enjoy it because you know it's it's fairly old it's it's one of those cartoons where they have a laugh track and you're like why would a cartoon yeah have a laugh track oh my god yeah it's like it it seems like it's the uh it's like the pink panther style right of animation it's like of that camp yeah it's it's more like flintstonesy kind of yeah era yeah right. i mean i liked it as a kid it's a good character it's you know it's one of those shows where it's basically just like a carbon copy of a live action show that was like popular at the time so it's like they're basically just like doing i don't know i don't know why that was a thing it was it was very weird how like the flintstones was basically just the honeymooners and like top cat is basically i I forget what i think it's called like hogan's alley or something like that or uh, phil silver's show there you go oh they were making fun of a specific it's literally just a carbon copy of another show it's like What's the popular show from like that time period? We'll do it with cats. Oh, that's hilarious. They got away with it because I don't know why. I don't know how they get away with these things. It was a different time period. <laughs> it's it's funny. They always they always say um, or they've said one guy on Reddit said not they always say I was ta- I, I didn't ask like a question on on uh, on Reddit once. And I was like, what are people going to think of all the memes that we have? All these like. You know, people are going to have such a good idea of what culture is like because just the sheer quantity of these referential memes that, you know, that give you an insight onto like how we think and what we laugh at. And somebody just responded. There wasn't many comments, but one one of them was uh, actually I'm like an anthropologist and uh, 
sarcasm doesn't tend to translate over time, which is interesting to me. And I was like, me thinking about this show, it's it's probably one of those things where there this was so kind of in the grand narrative of culture that you knew what this show was. And then now it was a version of that show 10 years later, but with cats. And it was, you know, for us, it's like, what the fuck? But maybe for them, it's like what, in a weird way, like what Rick and Morty is to Back to the Future or something. And it kind of hits better because we all know kind of quietly what they're talking about. That's a really good point. That's uh, that's really interesting. The idea of uh, sarcasm not reading across time periods, because like I, I've always found like if I go back to like maybe sixties popular film comedies, like if you if you want to pick out a decade as probably like the the worst aging decade as far as like film comedy, yeah, the sixties are a really good pick because you'll watch <laughs> like a movie that was like a blockbuster comedy, like a super. It was regarded as like a super funny movie. Yeah. You watch it, and if it's from like the mid 60s, every single joke is just the worst thing you've ever heard in your entire <laughs> and also life. Probably like weirdly bigoted and cringe and Yeah, know. and not even not necessarily in like a like a cancel kind of thing where like you just cringe because like, oh God, that's that's uncomfortable. It's just like it's just the worst you can't even discern it as humor. It's just so terrible it was just so specific to its time period that it just had no shelf life whatsoever whereas you know like we were talking about sctv or you know any of the older maybe kids in the hall stuff a lot of it does have a shelf life and and you know it's it's something you could throw on 30 40 years later and and definitely enjoy yeah it's we try our best at haunted wi-fi to like not do too much um time sensitive stuff or like referential like um what would you call it uh not too much stuff like directly in the zeitgeist, even though I was saying before we try and make it weekly so it's relevant without trying to do too much parody. Um, just because, you know, th- I do believe that the timeless stuff is what kind of just fe- what feels better over time is something that you don't have to like be there for. You know what I mean? Like I think uh, there's that, ch- I mean, there, there's the Python movies and I, f- I fucking love Python, but I would have to say, and this is controversial, um, that Life of Brian is is not as good as it probably was because they were like doing this you were getting these shock laughs out of making fun of religion the whole time and now and now it's kind of like oh yeah and it's like we're so far past that um touchy subject that that it's like oh it's still masterful but it's there there are moments that are like only like them going you know doing some quip about something that would make everyone angry at the time and doesn't anymore right so yeah i've always thought a uh, meaning of life uh, ages pretty well i think of them of the monty python stuff yeah. that's a that's a that's a really good one yeah meaning of life is great oh my god i saw that way too young i was like 14 when i saw like the naked scenes and shit i was so tripped out i love python all right so we're we're venturing into just normal conversation here so i'm gonna bring it back <laughs> to stupid all right let's do it and this this might be stupid it might be valid i don't know like like we mentioned before i'm old you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, my ears don't work as good as they used to. <laughs> okay. But, uh, you know, when I'm watching Anxiety Boys, I love, first of all, I love the intro. It's beautiful. Oh, the title sequence? Yeah, it's gorgeous. That's all Ben Christensen, my my buddy down the hall. Well, it's fantastic. He did a wonderful job with that. It looks really professional. It really looks like what it needs to look like. And uh, what's, the, what's the little kid, which I assume is you, What what is he <laughs> yeah. saying? I have no idea what he's saying. Oh, um, I think I say... Uh, f- fish stranded on land trying to get back in the water. That was kind of close to what I thought it was. I'm impressed with myself. Yeah, it's 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 from this family home video of my dad filming my brothers and I on the on the beach. Um, and one of us, the youngest one, is like, we've all found this fish, and we're kind of like low key devastated that you know at the concept of mortality at that age, where we're seeing this fish just like dying like breathing on the water shoreline and we're like oh if only we could get it back in the water and my little brother tosses it back in and gets it in and then julian my older brother and i are are being just suddenly go into characters these like like news reporters and it's mainly julian and he's like really upset in the full version he's like really obsessed with making it work and he keeps handing me the mic and i'm like his his assistant reporter and he's like Dad, you have to, no, whip, like, huh, no, get me on camera, Dad. Dad, we have to, so we're here. And, you know, and then he hands me the thing. And I think that was my big moment where I go, fish stranded on land, trying to get. But then in the end, it, it kind of worked as like a thematic uh, 
it was kind of coincidental, but it, it it's kind of what Zan Hathaway is dealing with. He's a guy who who is delved into this world of that he's committed to from probably out of high school going, I'm going to be this rapper. I'm going to do this insane thing with my life. And then hitting a wall where it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm so committed. I mean, to a degree, he doesn't even have any face tattoos for real, but he's like so committed. He's putting on the voice and he's like such an idiot and he's kind of doing it wrong, but he's too deep and he's trying to get back into maybe, maybe it's interpretive, but maybe he's trying to get back to the way he felt about it when he started. And now he's kind of lost in the sauce and trying to understand what, what in reality it feels like, but maybe he needs to get back to how he felt beginning that you know it wasn't really that deep but me just me thinking about it after i i like to think it ties in no i think i think it is that deep i think that's part of what i responded to with the show is that there's there's a really good you know character study there um that you don't usually get for a character like that you know things don't usually go that deep as far as like understanding a main character of that of that nature but you just kind of it would be he would be like the joke character in in a lot of contexts whereas like you find like a lot of like uh it's it's a very human story it's very three-dimensional in that regard yeah i appreciate i'm glad you pulled that out of it because i really uh i really set out to try and do something that wasn't just like you were saying with range you know i did i didn't want to be pigeonholed as um the dude who does that, like that comedy rapper, like I even stayed away. The dumpy walk has become this like kind of meme among our friends and the people who follow the the channel and stuff. But I really didn't want to do the thing where it's like, you know, they go, the joke rapper kind of goes viral and it actually kind of becomes a rapper through being funny at first. And it's all about just them being idiots around more famous rappers. Like I was like, I want to take that which has been done a ton of times, I think. And it's, it's always like fun, but I wanted to take that and go, okay, but what's really going on in rap culture right now is these people are just kids like younger than me. And a lot of them just, if I were to guess, seem very misguided. And you know, the ones who we don't see who, who don't make it, the high school SoundCloud rappers who are still pushing their shit on Instagram and stuff, you know, those are the people that you go, Oh my God, like what, bless their souls. I hope to God it works out. But if it doesn't, where are like, you know, where, where do they go? And that's like kind of a devastating concept that, that I wanted to kind of laugh um, along with and kind of shine some light on and like the way that my art um, could, which is comedy, not, you know, I didn't want to go too serious. Yeah. The fact that you, the fact that you care is why the show works. You know, if, if you were just, you know, seeing what was going on and you didn't, you didn't have any impulse to understand it or or construct a cohesive uh, backstory to it. Right. If you were just like, hey, look at what these kids are doing, LOL, and then just move on, <laughs> you don't have a show there. Yeah. You know, it, but you delved in and, and... Exactly. So how did he find that clip of, of you, you know, on the... Uh, on the beach is did you just like send that to him and be like hey this could go in there well i just wanted to take a second to talk about ben quickly because ben is uh he's one of those guys that's for like like so funny and i've always been partnered with him doing my comedy stuff from the very start but he's also just like good at kind of everything he's just one of those people who you know and he's under he plays downplays it and he's like yeah yeah, yeah totally yeah oh, here's like a first draft of what I was thinking. And it's like the final thing. And he made the poster too. And it's like this beautiful kind of like using like, it's using like, um, you know, empty space. It's using all these like design techniques that I, that he probably just is, I guess, just understands innately. Cause he was just like, oh, this, how's this feel? And I'm like, holy shit, that's really good. And, and he's like, how's this song? He scored the whole show too. How's this song? And he directed it. It's like, it's just one. Of, he's just one of those people that you can just rely on to get to get basically anything, uh, anything done. And he made that. Yeah, he made that. Tie. I just sent him a few clips and said, put something together. And he's oh, oh okay, yeah. It's kind of. And I'm only doing that goofy voice because he's always like kind of playing it. He's always like, yo, okay, yo, I'll see what I can do. And then he kind of just puts it together and goes, yo, here it is. And it's like fucking the final. Like it's like the final draft. And you're like, oh my god, it's so good. Um, so you know, you gotta really lucky to have have that energy there. And then on top of it everything else that he does, which is kind of, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's a great, it's a great thing to have such talented people surrounding me and, and uh, we all help each other. 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 the dream, you know. You 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 found your boys, and uh, I did. I did. It's you and the boys, and also we we should mention there's there's some girls that are very talented involved with uh, anxiety boys as well. Absolutely. Can you tell me about tell me about the ladies? Absolutely. You know, I, I'm working it into back into a stupid question. <laughs> so the stupid question would be, tell me about those ladies, <laughs> and uh, you you, know, you you'll give a you'll give a proper uh, answer, but that that'll get us through the fact that this is the stupid question segment and then you'll give an intelligent oh answer oh my god tell us about those late that's so funny um that's a good question because they are they are just fantastic and the most supportive and obviously so like talented people that we know they were always in uh the comedy troupe in toronto that i was explaining before where ben and i met we met a bunch of funny people in that troupe and there's justine riches uh sonia prol there's uh laura lee you know, Natalie Panacci was, you know, the one who was always the producer of the thing. You know, we just met all these like great people. And and that at that moment is kind of like, okay, there's this little audition process. You know, it's a humble thing through the school. But really, you do get this funneling effect of all the funniest people end up coming out of it. And I was just so blessed to meet them at that point and, and stay friends with them. And Sonia, uh, who plays Maya in Anxiety Boys, is, is living out in Vancouver here and I see her all the time. She's actually dating Ben and, you know, and it's, it's a great, yeah. And then, and then Justine was there from day one when I had beat sheets and she was like, let's meet up, let's meet up. I'll look it over. And she's became my story editor and Tasha Backlin got, was the, another story editor slash, um, I don't even call her a producer. She was so helpful to the project. She plays the PA in the, in the final episode. She's just kind of like running around. We just kind of threw her into that role last minute. And she's fantastic. She's much more set in the industry. She's a bit older and she got us in touch with Roger Bainbridge, Jackie Pirico, who's fantastic. And she's one of my favorite standups of all time. Uh, and she appears in the show too. And she got us in touch with these people that, you know, and, and Tim Blair from Tall Boys on CBC, which is a great show on CBC. But, you know, she got us in touch with all these people. So, you know, even just those three people I'm explaining doing so much for the project, four people, rather four women doing so much behind the scenes and in front of the scenes to make this thing work um yeah it's it's really just the best thing when you're finished a project and you're looking back and going oh my god like all these people took time out of their work and out of their day sonia flew down sonia paid for her own flight i'm gonna pay her back once the month if the project makes any money and but she flew down you know and like paid for it and was like i want to be in it yeah let's do it and justine was there since day one it's great it's just you just think about these people and you go oh my god i'm so, i'm so lucky you know it's that's really the best thing for me is is watching people do their thing and doing it for you and exchanging favors in terms of like create creatively and stuff like that is such a nice wholesome thing. So non stupid question is is the next big project going to be an anxiety boys season two or do you want to do something else entirely maybe a different show what what's the what's the plan there if there is one. Well, we have definite ideas for what a second season would be, and we know what theme would be, and we know some characters that we would want to throw in, and we know roughly what cast we might use. But it's I've I've I'm definitely I have like a like a obviously I love the project, and I would I would love more than anything to make more of it. It's just it's very hard to. Um, do it yourself right and on on a shoestring budget and get all the people there that you need and obviously during COVID it hasn't even got it hasn't even really become like a serious consideration because I can't even imagine like flying somebody out who I would want to be you know what I mean it's like it's hard to imagine but I would love to another thing is I I at this point in my life and if I can call it a career at this point um I, I'm interested in kind of starting with variety and that's always how I've found my favorite projects with the most longevity or that satisfy me the most is going, okay, well, what, while we're playing around doing like the little sketches and stuff, what really sticks? And that rapper character is one of them. And now I'm, I'm working on this other thing that I might want to make and I, um, about this Malfoy version of a Malfoy character who's like really crass and, and uh, very Cockney British and he's like an asshole and I was like, I want to kind of spin off, like do what Rick and Morty did to uh, with um, Back to the Future to like Harry Potter and like look at the Malfoy guy. And I'm, I, you know, I've been thinking about that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, I just, I guess my my answer to that is I want to look around 
and see if anything else hits me the way that Anxiety Boys did before I for, before I just kind of commit to that show. That having been said, no matter what, I think I'm going to make more Anxiety Boys regardless, whether or not I put something in between that. And also, you know, who knows, maybe this, maybe one of my connections would hopefully be like, all right, you know, pandemic's done. We're kind of gearing back up to pick up some shows now. Or maybe one of these people who saw, you know, our pitch kind of looks back at it and goes, oh, maybe we will take this. I don't know, you know? And at that point, that's the dream, hopefully, is that they give me deadlines and start saying, okay, you have to do this. You have to write this because it's, it's a bit taxing when it's just you and out of your own pocket. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm six grand in the hole, I think, for the show. So worth it. So worth it. I recommend using your own money to do stuff as long as you're, you really believe in it. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm interested in variety right now. And I'm just going to kind of see what's up before I dive into another big, big effort like a second season of Anxiety Boys. Yeah, you're just you're figuring out what blonde characters can I can I play <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, you're just working so your funny. way through. You're like, all right, Malfoy. I yeah. could do Malfoy. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's funny you say that. Yeah, I bleached my hair for the Adult Swim show, and I never went. I'm just like, oh, you know. I have an ASMR channel, a fake ASMR channel, uh, just with my name Ben Ball on YouTube. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, and it's just I play around with my characters uh, in that format just because. I found I figured it was long form and some people will watch the whole thing if you actually do some ASMR among the comedy and it's like a good way of not having to keep it to like a 15 second short or like quick clips like Gus Johnson like I was like ah oh, like I want to be able to sit and play and yeah and I just see which one get the most views or the ones that I feel like I like the most in those like that I feel most comfortable in and yeah I, you know I did the I did a early version of Zan Hathaway on on that channel first and then uh and same with um, the Malfoy thing, which is the most viewed one, and people really like it, and I really feel comfortable in that character. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll do something there too. It's just just playing around right now, and I'm, it's so fun. So how did you do the uh, tattoos? I assume they're just like sharpie and drawn on. But as far as like the continuity, oh yeah, was that like a big concern? It's uh, a pain in the ass. Yeah, huge pain in the ass. It was it was uh, obviously it was so essential, and and once again, working with what I had, right? So, you know, improvising while I'm writing, I'm going, okay, well, it's going to be pretty obvious and hopefully, like, hopefully not, but it might be clear that like some of them change places or it's a different one one day and a different one gets smudged or whatever. So I was like, since that probably will happen, I don't want to let myself down. So I'm just going to be like, that's, <laughs> I'm just going to be like, this guy puts on his own tattoos. That's how amateur this guy is is that he won't he's not even fully in it he's like shamelessly doing fake face tattoos which you know just shows how like silly he is so i was like oh that it's funny how that came to be is wasn't even like i laughed at it because i was like okay i'm working with fucking these like temporary tattoos i bought on amazon and uh who knows how many will get rubbed off between shoots and stuff and who knows if i'll have to switch them back out so i was just like that was the reason why why we just like wrote in a scene where he, he's putting them on himself you know and so yeah it was um we we worked with uh what's it called um ink box um to get the neck stuff done where it's just this pen with basically like very very uh indelible like ink so it's it's basically like you can just draw shit on and it'll stay for like two weeks it's like henna or something and uh, i just got a tattoo artist uh to put it on my neck and and then that's so that stuff could stay like the pissed off spongebob and all that shit in the bed or the sad boy and all that and then yeah and then the face ones i had to put on every morning and if some of them didn't wipe off i just keep them on and just keep going and try not to wash my face <laughs> it's just kind of gross but yeah, it was kind of that's kind of the toughest part about getting into that character is uh, is getting all those tattoos done and keeping keeping them consistent. Well, it was it was very effective, and like you said, it it works either way. You know, it works if it's if it reads as sharpie, it works if it reads as real. It just yeah. kind of like that you have enough play with the character there. One last question, just you know, for my own nerdy edification, but <laughs> what what was the camcorder that you guys used to shoot it? Oh, let me just see. I can check. It's right here. Um, it's a it's a Panasonic. It's discontinued now, so I had to find a second one so we could shoot in multi camera, um, which is what I wanted to do. Um, it's a Panasonic HDC HS nine hundred. Um, I bought it for a thousand dollars. Actually, my mom bought it for me for my sixteenth birthday, and it was a big thing to get a thousand dollar camera. But the, it's a camcorder, and looking back, I'm like, how is this thing a thousand dollars? And then immediately got discontinued, probably for that reason. The price point was just too weird. 
And there's similar versions of this now, but nobody really picks up camcorders unless they're maybe going on vacation. And these days, not even you're using your phone, right? So it's just, we had to find one on eBay, the, the identical one. And I luckily did. And, uh, uh, while shooting episode three, it froze in the <laughs> freezing Canadian cold and died. And so we had to shoot the latter half of the show in a single camera. But yeah, that's the camera and I love it. It's nostalgic. It's all I've ever shot anything I've ever done from when I started making movies. And it just shows how valuable that stuff is. You know, I thank my mom for that. Yeah, it looks great. I mean, it's it's basically like it's a it's a buyer's market as far as cameras these days. Like anything you use, you could do something with. You might not be able to do everything with every camera, but you can do something. Yeah, it's got a good stabilizer and it's got a lot of storage on it and it's durable. It's, you know, back then they would make stuff that could fucking take hits and you know, with camcorders, it's it's just been it still looks great. It still looks brand new and I'm just going to keep keep using it <laughs> please do because you get you get good effect out of it i i kind of i'm i'm nervous now that you mentioned the name of it because then like you know the price is going to shoot up on ebay because everyone's gonna be like <laughs> oh well clearly the key to the success of anxiety boys was one specific obsolete camera i better buy that you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's so funny how it's obsolete now it's so crazy i look i love obsolete cameras i i've got a ton of them i i i love that sort of stuff Stuff. So I, I appreciate that you're you're keeping certain uh, old cameras alive for sure. All right. Well, Ben, great talking to you. Thank you so much, Cody. I really appreciate it. Flattered that you want to have a little interview with me. Love your film so far. I'm going to finish it after we're done. Please do. And and plenty plenty more films where that came from. I think I have like four or five on YouTube right now. Amazing. You know, these aren't. It's not required viewing. You know, you already did the episode. You can you can. <laughs> You can say fuck off, Cody, and, and go do your own thing. But like, if you do enjoy it, there's other there's other stuff of mine. Thanks for letting me know. Yeah, anyone listening, go watch Bed because I'm halfway through it and I'm really enjoying it on Cody's channel. Thank you, sir. And uh, go watch Anxiety Boys if you haven't already. You you, you should have already if if you're listening to this show. You know, based on the kind of guests we have, I feel like most of our listeners just kind of watch all the all the same great stuff on YouTube. But if you haven't seen it. Please watch Anxiety Boys and, uh, you know, watch the fisheye stuff if you're under the age of like 30 and, uh, <laughs> and not eating and not eating any meals um, if you want to keep your appetite. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what you guys come out with next because I know uh, you guys are just going to keep stepping your game up. You know, Anxiety Boys was a was a milestone, I feel like, with with you guys' stuff. And I think there's going to be more milestones to come. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. We have a lot more in the works, so stay tuned. I really appreciate it, man. All right. Take care. Thanks. Thank you all for listening. And if you like the show, killthelinefilms.com, $2 per month. That's all it takes to support us. You support the show and you support the film studio. See you soon.